Friends podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Singer. I'm a Christian writer and blogger living in the beautiful state of Alaska. I'm also a trauma survivor and a mental health advocate. I've been through some tough things in my life, and I'm sure you have too. Grace Moments is about helping you hold on to belief in your darkest hours, embrace hope by knowing your suffering is never wasted, and be inspired by the stories of others who have survived their own tragedy. Life, however difficult, can be a meaningful journey, and I'm here to walk it with you. So let's do this together. Living in Alaska, the mountains are my world. I'm surrounded by them. Pretty much everywhere you look, the eyes are moved upward by the sheer height of these giants, reaching to the sky as if to somehow touch God and remind the soul that there is a creator. It's one of the many reasons why I love living here, and I find peace in their presence. Oftentimes, when I'm super stressed and needing to get away to recharge, talk with God and find clarity, I go to the mountains. They call to me with a comforting assurance that God is closer to me than even these majestic peaks I see, and that the one who made all this is the one who made and intimately knows me. The more I think about it, life is like a mountain climb, filled with seemingly impossible heights to scale, places where the earth beneath your feet can give way, potential for rock slides or avalanches to bury you right alive, burning lungs and screaming legs all the way, but all for the sake of a breathtaking view at the top. The mountain is the place of our unanswered questions and biggest fears. It is an ascent we are strangely drawn to pursue, even as it is ridden with tremendous heartbreaks, dangers, struggles, and uncertainty. While the presented challenges might indicate the climb is not worth it, we find ourselves convinced that vision will meet us at the summit of our greatest obstacles, and that taking on the mountain in all its unpredictability is somehow worth all the effort and pain involved to get there. We know God is ready to meet us in this place, and so we set off on the trail, ready to face whatever it might throw at us. It's easy to misjudge a mountain. Even as used to them as I am, I often find myself thinking that a certain climb won't be that difficult, only to discover upon arrival that it's usually a lot harder than it looks. Reality confronts perception, as what looked easy suddenly feels a lot harder. And the closer you are to the mountain itself, the more that becomes obvious. At a distance, a peak seems attainable, but up close, maybe not so much. Mountains have a way of making us feel small and inadequate, of causing us to feel as if we might not have what it takes to get to the summit. Mountains, in their own way, seem to put us in our place, expose our weakness, challenge our perseverance, push our faith. It is crucial before we set out for the climb that we prepare as best we can for the adventure, that we anticipate a harder excursion than we plan for, and thus give ourselves the best chance at a successful summit, taking plenty of water and food, having the right gear on. All these things are critical for survival should anything on the trek go wrong. Learning how to fall back on your best level of preparation is key if you are going to survive the unforeseen challenges of the mountains in your life. You cannot assume that every climb will be routine, that every hike won't have its unexpected complications. Two friends of mine, both raised in Alaska, failed to properly prepare when they embarked on a sisterly bonding hike together years ago. They chose to take on one of the tallest peaks in the nearby area, called Pioneer Peak. They planned for a day trip, packed a couple bagels and some water, and set off. By evening time, their parents noticed that the young ladies weren't home yet. 
They let some time pass, but soon there was no phone call or any indication they'd be back soon. They began to suspect that something was wrong. Sure enough, it was. Upon reaching the summit, the younger sister began to panic as her fear of heights set in. The older sister determined to get the younger one down a less steep way, and thus left the regular trail and tried to come down another side. This proved to be a near-fatal mistake as both of them got lost on the mountain, disoriented as they tried to descend. Darkness fell, and still no sign of them. Food and water now running low, they began to worry and started to say a few desperate prayers for help. In the meantime, Mom and Dad had called 911, and a search had started. The night passed, and morning dawned, and still no word from the sisters. Search and rescue crews began to look around the area, hoping to catch sight of the two young ladies. But again, due to them being around the other side of the mountain, they could not be easily seen. Helicopters circled the mountain. People all over prayed hard for the lives of the girls, knowing how quickly nature can have its way here in the last frontier. Late the next day, a reporter for a local newspaper came to the area to do a story on the search, and just as he got out of his car on the side of the road, two young ladies emerged from the brush asking for help. They had survived, and the search was over. Worse for the wear, a bit traumatized, scraped up and bruised, the girls were thankful to still be alive considering all they'd been through, and their biggest regret? Not being properly prepared with enough provisions for the journey and then choosing to leave the trail instead of try to find a way down on the sure path. When you set out to climb, you must assume that something can go wrong, and if you don't equip yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually for what may come, you may find yourself in worse trouble just as the two friends of mine did. Some mountains we climb by choice, goals we set for ourselves, dreams we want to fulfill, places we desire to see and experience. But some mountains must be climbed not by our choosing, but out of necessity. We never saw the trek in our future, never guessed we'd have to face such a giant of intimidation. Included in this can be divorce, unexpected loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, addiction, unemployment, betrayal of a best friend, infidelity, abuse. There can be so many things we come upon as we walk the journey of life that appeared to rise out of nowhere, causing us to question everything we knew and to shake in our shoes at the sight of the ascent in front of us. For all the preparation we have done, nothing indicated anything could go this wrong. Everything we brought for the trail now appears inadequate. We feel insufficient for the path ahead of us. The trail seems eroded and the footing unsure. The sheer height of the peak standing in our way brings a certain fear, a doubt that we have what it takes to summit. Our hearts are overwhelmed at the prospect, and it's natural to wonder if we should simply turn around and run the other way. At the very least, stay down where it's safe and avoid the elevation. We try to talk ourselves through it, and we question if it's worth it and wise to press on. But somehow something compels us closer to the daunting scenery. We are strangely drawn toward the mountain itself, as if we feel the answers to our questions and the conquering of our biggest fears lie in this unpredictable terrain. We become more afraid of what will happen if we don't climb ahead than if we do. But to take in the whole of the trek is too demoralizing. It feels impossible. And here is where two key components must come into play. Who is on your climbing team with you? And where do you place your footing? I almost never climb alone. There's a reason for this. Here in Alaska, most people are aware of the dangers that potentially await all adventurous souls that take on this expansive wilderness of a state. Take bears, for instance. 
Most of the time, bears will leave you alone if you leave them alone. But occasionally, they will get aggressive toward humans and unfortunately have caused the untimely death of some innocent runners or hikers over the decades up here. It's more unlikely the bears will bother a group than an individual. They will hear the noise multiple people are making and normally leave folks alone. For this reason, I don't go hiking alone and I don't encourage friends to hike alone either. To the Bible's point, one person can have a hard time fending off attack or danger, but two or more stand a better chance of defending themselves. Picking a climbing team in life is one of the most important things you'll ever do. It's part of helping to prepare you in the event that an unforeseen mountain appears that you are tasked with summiting. While you can't often predict the peaks that may stand in your way, you can choose people to come along with you that have the stamina for the ascent. When people climb the world's biggest mountains, such as Denali or Everest, they always talk about the critical role the climbing team plays in the success of the mission. If you stand a chance of making it to the top and back down alive, it's best to have some people along that you have history with. People who aren't just there to take on a mountain, but are there because they want to do it with you. They realize the importance of their role in your survival, and they come along because they love and care about you and not just the climb itself. Sometimes it's easy to identify the people worthy of being on your climbing team before beginning the ascent, but other times you don't know the character or experience of a person on the expedition until you've already set out. Thus, it may prove necessary to narrow down the team once it becomes obvious that somebody is not up to the challenge of the trek. Maybe this means you have to push on without them and tighten the circle a bit, bringing those in closer who have what it takes to keep going. And it may surprise you who ends up remaining with the climbing team and who ends up being left behind. Some people only prove their worth through the ascent when the elements prove the most inclement or the morale is at its lowest. One of the biggest lessons I've learned in my life is to not assume that those who begin the adventure with you will be there standing by your side at the end. When it mattered most along the way, some may fail to finish the climb with you. They maybe begin with good intentions, but false expectations or the sheer reality of it all cause them to reconsider whether the climb was worth it. They may be found they didn't have the spiritual and emotional stamina to continue, feeling their heart giving out and ending up remaining at some base camp in a tent battling the thin air and struggling to survive. Their own survival in the elements trumps yours, leaving only the option for you to go on without them. It happens in real life on the mountains, and it happens on our soul journeys. Many of the people I expected would be part of my climbing team forever have been left behind, some of their own choosing and some of mine. Some simply died and I was left to carry on with a cup. Some simply died and I was left to climb with a heavy heart, wishing they were still along for the ride. Leaving a teammate behind for whatever reason is not easy, and this isn't to imply that breaking ties with people means you don't speak to them or interact or still remain friendly, but it does mean these are not your lifers, as a friend of mine calls them. These are not the people with whom you will suffer and endure, will make life history with when it matters most. They will not be the intimate relationships who know the most about you and experience the most with you. And the ones who do remain part of the team or join a ways into the climb may end up surprising you. The people who show up at just the right time with that much-needed word of encouragement, which gives you some soul oxygen and allows you to keep going. The people who instinctively keep pace with you as you hike, matching your steps stride for stride. The people who love you so much they will risk their own good in order to ensure that you survive. The people who will come around you and take over when you are too weak to figure out how to cope with the storms and uncertainty of the climb. 
These are the ones who end up showing their true faithfulness when it counts, thus endearing themselves to you forever. These are the ones who, when the summit is reached, will be commending your bravery, celebrating your perseverance, and taking in the view, knowing what it took to arrive there. And they will then assure you that they are with you for the descent, just as they were for the climb, that they are prepared for any and all challenges, provided you all stick together and see the mission through. In the last couple of years, I've endured what has felt like multiple Everests in close succession. And through it all, I've watched a committed climbing team emerge that honestly includes people I never would have expected had you asked me who'd be along for the journey. But they obediently showed up in my most desperate moments, proving their loyalty when others had to abandon the mission, showcasing their deepest love when I wasn't sure I'd make it off the mountain alive. They provided what I needed to stave off the cold of my heart's winter, surrounding me with hope and belief when my faith failed and my heart sank in desperation. When I lost courage that I would and could make it to the summit and see the purpose behind all I was going through. If any of you are listening to this episode today, you know who you are, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. These were the people who randomly called or texted just to check in and see if I was holding up okay. These were the people who cleared their schedules when I needed to talk and vent and lament my circumstances, putting up patiently with my soul groaning when I got blinded by the blowing snow of my situation and couldn't see God or understand what he was up to. They reminded me that God was still tightly holding the other end of the rope around my waist, however slack it felt at the moment, and that his grip on me would never let go, regardless of how weak my hands were from holding on. These were the people who themselves had endured their own share of dangerous climbs in life and brought their past experience to my ascent, giving me a sense of trust and safety in them. Sometimes you have to climb for a while on your own or experience the loss of previous climbing partners before these angels on earth appear to help you climb the rest of the way. Sometimes you must endure the pain of saying goodbye to someone who can't finish the hike with you, but through their absence emerge the dedicated relationships of those who will go to any lengths necessary to ensure that you make it. Another key to your survival on the mountains of your personal suffering are footholds. Figuring out how and where to place your footing is vital if you are to keep making measured progress in your climb and limiting the chances of a fatal fall along the way. Life's peaks are ridden with shifting ground, slippery slopes, and deep crevasses that can spell the end of us with a simple wrong move. Fail to put your foot down where it should be, and it can suddenly prove to be a life-ending mistake morally, spiritually, emotionally. Every single little step matters, however minuscule it may seem. It may not appear to matter much in the goal of reaching the summit, but all the progress you've made or challenges you've overcome and route to that place in your journey could prove for nothing if you neglect to pay attention to the little things along the way. The little steps of obedience, integrity, courage, and faithfulness that all add up to an eventual view worth summiting for. As you climb, it's easy to start looking for shortcuts or ways to shrink the scale of the ascent, to get wearied enough with a hike that it just seems reasonable to venture off the trail and seek another way, just like the two friends I mentioned earlier. Perhaps it seems reasonable now to just sit down in the cold and quit, feeling like you cannot move your legs another inch. The mountain still looms so large and appears still so tall that every step makes you feel even farther away. Fear messes with your mind as you begin to doubt if you'll ever reach the summit. Snow blinds your eyes and sun glare inhibits your ability to see what's in front of you. Digging in your feet, you slowly put weight on each step, making sure that you're not stepping unknowingly into a post hole, doing your best to trust the crampons on your boots or the soles on your shoes, 
praying that they hold and you don't lose your grip. It's easy at this point in your climb to sometimes misstep and slip. Don't get your foot in the precisely right spot and it suddenly gives way. You feel yourself sliding and panic gripes you like an unseen giant. It is in these moments that the strength of your climbing team and the hold of your savior on his end of the rope proves critical. You have run out of resolve or strength to continue. You've already slipped and barely survived, so you're afraid to step ahead at all. This is when it is imperative to break down the magnitude of the mission into tiny manageable moves, simply focusing on the next foothold rather than the overwhelming number of steps still left in the climb before the top or countless other potential things that could go wrong. Charles Spurgeon, a well-known preacher and writer from the mid-1800s, was known for using the most powerful metaphors in his sermons, finding great spiritual lessons in the most mundane and small of things. He once used the foothold analogy in his sermon, Weak Hands and Feeble Knees, aimed at offering hope to those suffering in the darkest moments of their life. He talked about how there were moments when faith seems easy and courage seems high, when we feel we can pass through great difficulty and not grow faint, but then there are times when the difficulty is so great that a single step is all we can muster. He says, Once we could run along the walls of salvation with triumphant faith. At other times we could walk through the valley of the shadow of death with quiet confidence. But we have come to a place of trial and extraordinary difficulty where all speed failed us and strength did not suffice. Then, always on our knees in agony of prayer and always on our hands in simplicity of faith, we climbed our weary way, often fearing lest we should fall backward to our destruction, but crying out, Lord, let my knee find a resting place. Let my hand hold on to some projecting crag of promise, that there I may get a fast hold, lest I totter and fall. I can but ascend slowly. My heart followeth hard after thee. My spirit crieth for thee. Lord, help me. Help me climb this way, for back I cannot go. Every Christian who knows much about divine experience will understand what this means. He will often be brought into such a position that he can but make little progress. He must think it quite enough if he can but hold his ground against the desperate difficulties of his path. The promises of God and his past faithfulness are your footholds and projecting crags where you can, for a brief moment, find a fast hold, as Spurgeon termed it. You may not have the strength to believe for the next hour or the next day or the next week, but by placing your knee, your hand, your foot on the footholds provided to you by God, you may find grace sufficient to believe for the next second, the next minute. Even in what weak words of prayer you can muster, keep seeking the boundless storehouses of strength given to you by a gracious God, knowing that He actively seeks helpless, dependent people in whose lives He can show Himself strong. In the disorienting elements of the climb, it may be tempting to look for help in the wrong places, to forget the strength of your climbing team, to wander from the trail and increase your risk of falling. But here is where the reliable and unchangeable truth of God's character and His Word will give you the places to plant your feet firmly in faith. Do not worry about how slack the rope around you may appear or how flimsy the thin metal footbridge may feel walking across the crevasse. God will not let you fall. You may stumble, but you will be held safely. All that's needed is for you to continue taking those single, exhausting steps of bravery, reminding yourself that each one brings you a tiny bit closer to the summit. The summit is the place of vision, the place where our struggles become a bit more clear, and we are allowed a glimpse into the purpose behind the pain we have endured. We are blessed with some inner satisfaction that what drew us to the ascent in the first place was true, 
and that all it took to get us here was worthwhile in the end, that the slips, trips, stumbles, altitude sickness, cold, blowing snow, jagged rocks, and countless other dangers we encountered along the trek prove vital to our growth and our experience. The summit is where we are able to understand a bit more about how God is in the redemption business, that he never calls us to the climb without giving us everything we need to summit it, that he never allows us to endure the heartbreaking challenges of the hike without promising us the breathtaking view at the top. And while he never said it would be easy, he did guarantee that it would be for his glory and our eventual good. As we stand there, able to see a bit clearer what he sees, we sense his pleasure and his favor. We celebrate with our climbing team, knowing that we could not have survived without them. And the summit is where we also remind ourselves that we've yet to descend, and we've more peaks to climb in time. I don't know where you happen to be in your journey. Perhaps you're at the base camp looking up at the mountain ahead of you and wondering how on earth you will possibly climb it. Perhaps you're somewhere part way up, lungs heaving and crying out for footholds. Perhaps you're enduring the pain of leaving a team member behind that you thought you could count on and looking for a reliable replacement as you bravely choose to keep climbing. Or maybe you're now at the summit, taking in the view and realizing that the choice to persevere was worth the effort and the relationships and lessons you gain on the trail were worth the agony along the way. Wherever you find yourself on the mountain, remember that God gives faith and footholds to match it. God sends other climbers who are willing and able to rope themselves to you and ensure that you survive your ascent. God provides you with faithful promises in His Word that speak soul oxygen into you and help you breathe, and He never lets go of His hold on you, even when it feels like you're losing your grip. In staring down the peaks of our unanswered questions and our biggest fears, we will discover new levels of trust in both God and those around us. We will find that life's greatest blessings often emerge from our greatest hardships, giving us hope that future mountains we hike will too be worth the effort. And we realize, in new ways, that faith truly is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So let's not avoid the mountains in our life. For the mountains, tall and imposing as they are, are really the making space of who we become and where God most shows himself strong in the story of our lives. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast as well as leave a review. If you want to read additional content, please visit and subscribe to my blog at www.graceopens.blogspot.com. You can also connect with me on social media via Twitter at OpenToGrace2015, Instagram and Parlor at OpenToGraceAlaska, and on MeWe under my name, Katherine Singer. I'll see you in the next episode, and remember, Grace will always meet you where you are. Thank you.